2: Excuse me. Couldn't get to the cough button there in time. Didn't notice. Uh, Did you just put on your Cubs World Series ring? (laughs) It feels good. And I know how much you hate the fact that I got a ring. Yeah, the Hall of Famer, one of the greatest middle linebackers in Bears history, indeed, down here with Mike Singletary. Did you see Die Hard? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, I did too. That was awesome. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Samurai. Donna Mark Grody. Hey, Cordero, can I get a couple minutes with you uh, here, man? man I ain't even talking today, man. am sorry. Okay. So, it's been kind of a devastating day for me with with uh, Boba and then the bird. So, Bubby. Bobby and when the Patriots took a three no nothing lead no, a... no, 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 less the Bears were America's team what are you talking about no they weren't no they weren't, the no, they weren't. Yeah, everybody sure they were. hit, yeah they were everybody
1: you weren't down there I was Mark Grody go ahead unmute Mark. here
2: I am unmuted oh hi Mark Mark Grody on 670 the score hello welcome into the show I am that guy I'm Mark Grody Here with you until 9 o'clock on the mighty Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Much baseball to discuss with both sides of town, including James Fox of Future Sox and the Sox Machine. He will join us in just about 15 minutes from now, actually, a little bit after 620. He will join us to talk about the White Sox. Brett Taylor of Bleacher Nation and the Athletic Chicago will do the honors on the Cubs. He will join us at 720 tonight and my colleague Chris Amma from 670thescore.com and right here on The Score will join us to talk about the Bears and we are open for business. keeping those phone lines open all night long so if you are moved to call please do. 312 644-6767 the number to call or to text 312- 644-6767. 644-6767. You can find me on social media, on Twitter, at Mark Grody Sports, um, on Instagram and Facebook. Hang out there all the time as well. Did you know, you should know, that tomorrow begins the Bears' mandatory mini-camp. Tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday, we will, when I say we, I mean the Bears' media, we will get access to... All three of those days. So this is not just a a one-shot deal like the OTAs where we get one of three on those. We get all three in this uh, mandatory minicamp. So mandatory for the media as well, starting at uh, 11 a.m. tomorrow, I believe, is when the festivities get going throughout the week for for the Bears. And uh, things will ramp up a little bit, be a lot similar, some of the stuff to the OTAs. But it starts to get a little bit more serious ahead of the real training camp in July, how can, this is what I was thinking today, how can the Bears be good this year? How can the Bears be good this year? I think it's an important question because nobody really thinks the Bears are going to be good this year. And I've said it, and I think it's logical that it's an improved team but not a good team as this year, I think that's where most people, and I know that there are some people who've been loud about the Bears being good this year. But how could the Bears be good this year and not just better? And I'll let you jump in on this as well. I've got mine here for you, but if you want to answer that question or think about it, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Two names come to mind when I think about how I will simplify it to two names. Neither of whom is Justin Fields. There's Justin Fields' part, and we'll get into Justin Fields' part. But there are two names that I am going to drop on you right now that if these guys are good, if these two guys are good, the Bears might be good. Those names, Jervon Dexter. Let's get back to more Mark Crody on Sports Radio 670, The Score. We apologize for the the technical difficulties but we are back here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I don't know what I was what I uh, what is out there right now because I just kept on talking but I was told basically I was giving out the the phone number 312-644-6767. The the Bears mandatory minicamp begins tomorrow and what I was thinking today was how could the Bears be good this year? Actually, good this year, as opposed to just what we all are assuming they're going to be, and that is better this year. And I want to open it up for you guys on that 312 644 67 67. And we may revisit this a little bit later because of our technical difficulties. But there are two names, neither of whom are Justin Fields. And we'll talk about Justin Fields. We'll get to Fields. He obviously plays a massive massive part. But there are two names that if these guys are good, the Bears might be good this year. Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens. Jervon Dexter, the second-round defensive tackle out of Florida. Zach Pickens, the third-round defensive tackle out of South Carolina. And I know this sounds crazy to say, considering the Bears' defense was awful last year. But if those guys can change the defensive line to decent or good, you may have a a really good defense this year. You look at it like the linebacking core – First and foremost, like, that's going to be a good linebacking core for, for the Bears this year. I mean, we could, could be really good with, you know, T.J. Edwards is for real. Tremaine Edmonds is for real. Jack Sanborn might be for real. We'll see. I'm very comfortable with the, the linebackers, a position of strength, which it was not last year. Uh, secondary, Jalen Johnson, Absolutely. I do like Tariq Stevenson. I think he's got a real chance a second-rounder out of Miami to be on the other outside. And then Kyler Gordon, an improved player towards the end of last year. And then you got Jaquan Brisker, who, you know, had had some injuries including a concussion towards the end of last year, but Brisker very promising and you know exactly what Eddie Jackson is. So, if those guys, if those guys can can be the real deal, there's a chance that this defense could go from putrid to really good in this upcoming season. Now the idea that those guys will or could be really good and really impactful this year. Let's look into that a little bit. And we got a chance last week to talk to some of the defensive assistants who are the guys that's probably spend the most time with these players just because they're in their position group so often. But Travis Smith, the defensive line coach, he talked about, I think that some of this was was kind of enlightening too in terms of what we or you or any of us can learn from watching what seem to be mundane practices, right? The OTAs, no pads. We always hear us talking about guys going up against air, um, seven on sevens, all of that kind of stuff to where it's like, what can we actually glean from this? Well, Travis Smith will get into that a little bit. And then we'll talk specifically about Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens. So take a listen to Travis Smith here.
3: And and you can do a lot of things with no pads on big men. And so we got the best thing about this tempo is, though, with no pads, are you really see the true athletes show up, especially for the guys with size. Are they going to stay on their feet? Are they going to be able to play with good pad level? Are they going to be able to hold their gap and play on their side of the line of scrimmage? But while working together with the offense, that's some athleticism. Right now, if you're a big guy and you're on the ground, or you're not keeping your gap, or you're looking like a fish out of water, well, that's a problem. Because it's not like you put the pads on and i was like, well, I'll be fine with the pads on. No, you got to be able to do it right now with speed with no pads. In, in regards to that, how have Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens, specifically rookies, done in that they've been they've been doing good they've come their system what they're coming from is a little bit different to what we do and so they're small steps each day we're trying to make so they've been showing uh they've been showing that they can take what we talk about in the meeting what we study on tape and take it out to the field uh, we just want to make sure that it's consistent and it's we're not taking two steps forward two steps back it's improvement every day and that's what we've got to make sure we see with not just those two but with the whole group too and travis Bell.
2: Yes, and the seventh rounder from Kennesaw State, Travis Bell, who everybody loves. Everybody loves Travis Bell. We'll see how he is as a player soon enough, hopefully. Um, I think a key thing that Travis Smith said, that the Bears' defense is simple. And that was something that, like, don't take those words lightly, because that was something that was said by Eddie Jackson and... Really, a lot of the players on that team last year when they switched to the 4 3, you know, having been in the 3 4 prior to that, the big headline from all the players is that it it is a simple defense to learn. Effective, one would hope eventually, but a simple one to learn. So, whatever they have to unlearn for these guys, you know, in the case of, of Javon Dexter, you know, playing in multiple fronts at Florida. Uh, where he sometimes played defensive end as well. So moved around a lot, got got a lot of different looks. Um, 55. Ta- this is this is the, the thing too. You know, Dexter, Javon Dexter has been in... he was an underperformer relative to the hype about him coming out of high school. Because when he came out of high school, he was one of the topper maybe the top rated defensive tackle. And then Last year, in at Florida, fifty five tackles, one tip, couple of sacks, twenty five pressures, um and the interception for six hundred and eighty two snaps. Didn't overwhelm, and we know that to be the case sometimes with defensive tackles because they don't always stuff the box. So we shall see. We shall see um, if that does make a difference. Um, and, and a lot of what they did came out of a 3-4 as well. So that's what he's talking about when some things that maybe unlearn and get used to a new system. So however fast they can get these guys up to speed, um, same deal with Zach Pickens, uh, that, that these guys could play a big role. And man, if, if they made a difference and you add that, you add that to Justin Jones, I like Justin Jones. Like I did not have a great season par for the course for a lot of those defensive linemen. But you give him guys to work with. Justin Jones can be a dog at times, you know, and with Andrew Billings there as well. And I know, I know, like the defense, the defensive ends, Dominic Robinson, um, and Travis Gibson have been, you know, it's disappointing that they don't have somebody to actually purely go get the passer. That is something that they still have to get. Something that we will talk about a little bit later on. But I am late for a break. We will take the break, come back and talk to James Fox of Future Sox and the Sox Machine. We talk about the Chicago White Sox next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Let's get back to more Mark Cody on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Tough loss for the White Sox yesterday, and we're going to get into it. The, The White Sox, like the Cubs, off today. The White Sox will be at the Dodgers tomorrow night. Looks like a Lance Lynn night for your South Siders so we welcome you back in and we welcome in to talk Chicago White Sox James Fox of Future Sox and Sox Machine you should follow him on Twitter at James Fox 917 917 how you doing James what's going on man
0: hey Mark how are you man
2: I am doing well, and unfortunately, I was just thinking about yesterday's loss, it a, a just absolutely brutal loss where things seem to be going nicely in the game, scoreless early, Lucas Giolito looking good and angry and doing all his Lucas Giolito stuff. The Sox are up 5-1 in the seventh, and then the Marlins go and score five runs over the last couple of innings. I, I mean, What would you make of that? And can a team that loses games like that um, be taken seriously?
0: I mean, no, because, but I think it all like stems back to April, right? I kind of think stuff like the last two days happens occasionally, but that's why you can't start seven and 21, you know, like you just, you (laughs) cannot, you, you can't afford to dig yourself a hole like that because I mean, look like it's, it's tough to criticize those Bullpen arms right now, or even Pedro Grafol for going to those particular guys because they were great in May and even to start off June. I mean that's been, you know, kind of a strength of the team. And even me, like I took it for granted. Like I thought they'd win Saturday. I'm like, you know, like Joe the Joe Kelly show is is crazy sometimes. But you know uh-huh. he's, he's been he's been really good. And the lead they had yesterday. I mean, you know, I feel like after that catcher interference, it's like super ominous, right? It's like oh my goodness. But uh-huh. yeah, no, I know and. You know, and they're just, and they're still, you know, they're they're not good, obviously, and I'm not gonna tell you that they are, but you know, as long as they're four and a half games back, I guess they're gonna keep people fairly interested.
2: Yeah, keep people interested, and I guess keep the White Sox management engaged as well where do you stand on that just like I guess since you can win the division go for it and anything can happen or do you look at this core and say you know what we've gotten to the playoffs a couple times and we're dismissed quickly so where do you, where are you on all of that with the White Sox
0: yeah so I mean like I truly <clears throat> you know do believe that they could benefit from like selling and like having a hard reset and that might be what the best case scenario is for the organization long-term, but I, I don't see it happening. And honestly, like if you're them, you know, you do, you you do want to try to win a really bad division and get in because we've seen it in the baseball playoffs, like how anything can happen. And playoff appearances are sacred, especially in this format. Like if they, you know, if they win the division with 81 wins, like they're going to get three home games to start the playoffs. And it's, so yeah, I mean, they, they kind of have to push. And, you know, if they were in the West or, what the East, I feel like we'd be having very different conversations right now. And yeah, I, I think either, I think either way, like there, it's not going to be a full on sell-off, right. If, if this thing goes, goes down the tubes here and the twins play well or whatever, and you're like 10 back or something like, yeah, I think you, you see a Lucas Giolito and maybe some relievers move and stuff like that. Um, And then the broader questions would be like, who, who leads this team going forward. But Um, Yeah, no, I I think it's I I think they're going to kind of tread like they have here and stay within like four to seven games of the division lead. And they'll try to buy what they can and kind of patch it together and go from there, basically.
2: Man, we're going to be having this conversation every day, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah, there's there's 90
0: 90 some left. Yeah, no, I know. This is what this is basically what it's going to be like. (laughs)
2: <laughs> there, there was one thing that I noticed on on your on your Twitter page, James Fox of Future Sox and Sox Machine, and his Twitter follow at jamesfox nine seventeen. There was a uh, trade proposal. I guess it was in the the baseball isn't boring podcast. Um, and the the trade was it would be Luis Robert and Tim Anderson to the Mets for a bunch of players, including their top. Catching or their top prospect catcher uh, Kevin Parada. What did you think of that idea, James Fox? I'll let you tell everybody.
0: Yeah, well, I, I said that I wouldn't do it just because, like, Luis Roberts, like the guy that I would keep. Like, I'll, I'm not really opposed to getting rid of many of these players, but he, I mean, even like as frustrating as he can be at times, like you know, and obviously like it's contingent on health, right? But he's going to be like a five WAR player. Like, if you look in the American League right now. Like he should start in center field in the All Star Game. He won't because, like, I don't think there's enough White Sox fans voting for the All Star Game. Um, but he should definitely be the representative. He's one of the best outfielders in the American League. I, the, look, the Mets system is good. Those two players are like well regarded, but they're both like corner guys. Ultimately, you know that that part of it, I just was not a big fan of the, the Tim mm-hmm. Anderson part. The Tim Anderson part is interesting because. Like he's been, you know, really bad as everybody knows. But I do think they have a decision to make, kind of, on Tim Anderson. I mean, he's in that group of guys where it's like, you know, he's got a $14 million player option next year. That look, it's easy to pick up, right? But I think you kind of have to decide what you're going to be going forward. And they're probably not going to give him $150 million. So, you know, is is the best case scenario to? explore that at the deadline if you're out of it or in the off season. but you know what? He probably has to pick it up a little bit to even have some of those clubs interested.
2: I also think, too, as in regards to Tim Anderson, that even though he's had his problems and we see it up close every single day, so we know everything... I do think throughout Major League Baseball, Tim Anderson would still have a lot of value. You know, I think that there are, like, teams, I mean, organizations know what he's all about and have spoken fondly of him, and he's had some really nice, huge moments as well. Do you think that he still has that kind of value around Major League Baseball and just not with the Sox maybe right now?
0: I think he would, like, in a trade. I think it'll be interesting. I think we'll find out how much the league thinks he's worth, right, like after next year when he's a free agent, and I think you see – like even Dansby Swanson on the north side, like really good player, right? Got 175 million dollars. Like I'm sure mm-hmm. Tim Tim Anderson's gonna want something, you know, maybe not quite that much, but like something in that ballpark. And we're gonna find out. So, but yeah, I think that's the fear. The fear is that like if the Dodgers trade for Tim Anderson, all of a sudden he's great again, right? Because that that's just like what some of these teams are able to do. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean either way, they they they're gonna have some tough decisions to make. I think they would rather be, you know, three or four games back and try to add to this team and see if you can sneak in than, then have to, you know, take another step back. But, you know, you can't afford games like what happened Saturday and Sunday just because of the hole that you kind of dug yourself. I think, you know, I think if you could pick all these teams, Mark, like Cleveland, Minnesota, and the White Sox, if you could start from zero right now, like I'll take the White Sox, but it mm. doesn't work that mm-hmm. way. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and and one of the reasons is has been Lance Lynn, four and six with a 6.72 ERA. Um, bringing him up because he is scheduled to start at the Dodgers tomorrow. What have you seen from Lance Lynn, and what's it going to take for him to get better and being consistent, Lance Lynn, all of the time?
0: Yeah, I mean it's just it's bad command. I mean you just he can't he doesn't throw terribly hard right and he throws nothing but fastball so like if you're if you're missing spots like he's gonna get hammered he has a lefty problem he can't get lefties out anymore or at least he hasn't been able to this season um you know and then I think what I saw today he's been really bad in like daytime starts so that shouldn't be a problem at Dodger Stadium but yeah it's just you know it looked like he was kind of riding the ship a little bit but when he's bad Um, you know, he, he's just, he's given up six or seven. I mean, it's almost like to the point where Dallas Keuchel was last year, which is disheartening obviously. And I think there were, (laughs) I think there were like some clubhouse issues and stuff with Dallas Keuchel where the team didn't really care that much if, you know, if he was like DFA or whatever. So I'm not expecting that for Lynn, but I don't know how you can say that you're contending or you're trying to, and then send him out every fifth day. But on the other hand, you don't really have anybody else to start either. I mean, you have a guy, you know, that Jesse Schultons was up and started and he was okay. But, I mean, that's basically your pitching depth right now. So, you know, I think their, their plan is likely hope that Lance Lynn gets better. And I'm sure Ethan Katz is working on some things. And, you know, he's made improvements with other guys. So we'll see, right? You just hope that improvements can stick. And this isn't where, you know, we're at the point where Lance Lynn is, just kind of deteriorating to the point where he's, you know, he's just a veteran and he's kind of done and not the same guy anymore. So I think, you know, we'll probably find that out over the next four to six weeks, I would say.
2: Yeah, yeah, until further notice, the White Sox are still very much depending on him to be a reliable uh, starter, and we'll see if it gets better tomorrow. Talking to James Fox of Future Sox and Sox Machine. I'm Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. I like to call it the Jake Berger Project, James, because, I mean, this is a guy who what wasn't even sure if if he was to be going to be on this team at the beginning of the year. Obviously, was not on the team for some time, and now maybe he's their most effective hitter. What have you thought about everything that has been Jake Berger and where he is like in terms of like projecting the White Sox, you know, now and in the
0: future? So I mean, it's a great story, right? He was a tenth pick in the draft for a reason. Like he could always hit. Like I don't I don't think it's. You know, if you would have told me after he was drafted that he was this, I wouldn't be surprised at all, just because of, like, where he went. But then, obviously, you know, after the two Achilles tears, like, you're questioning whether or not he's actually going to have a big league career. So, you know, even the fact that he made it to the majors, I think, is a big positive. You know, there's some what? Like, there's some shortcomings, right? There's there's too many strikeouts, and he's struggled with, with righties in the past, and he doesn't get on base a ton, but yeah, he's one of their best players. I mean, him and Luis Robert have been their two best guys. And at this point, you know, you kind of have to find a spot for him. He doesn't have a ton of defensive versatility, as you know, and there's already a couple of first basemen and you kind of want to play a lawyer at DH. So look, I, I mean, it's crazy, but I, I mean, I would consider playing Jake Berger at second base before you move everybody else all, all around. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk, like, even on, you know, your station, just with Moncada at third. And like, I, I just kind of think like Moncada's at third because, he's awesome defensively I think it's a, yeah it's a, I think it's a downgrade to move him to second and move burger to third like if you're gonna be bad somewhere maybe just try burger at second base and see how bad it is and just settle for the because <laughs> because <laughs> the, the bat the bat has to be in the lineup and the only way to get these guys in the lineup fully healthy is but burger at Dh and Aloy play in the outfield and I just like don't think anybody really wants to see that either but yeah he he has to play I mean for a he I think he's his slugging starts with a six and he's the only guy on the team, you know, that that's consistently hitting for power. So he's gotta play somewhere. He's gotta take precedent over some of these <laughs> other guys.
2: I, I am glad though that you you're pretty secure with Moncada at third. And, our, and the reason I, I lean towards agreeing with you on just keeping him there, and don't mess with this idea of, of Berger going back to third, obviously his natural position for which which he was drafted, because, I mean, it feels like over the last decade, the Sox have just struggled as, as a defensive team. So when you find somebody who plays on the dirt, who plays on the left side of the diamond, and is really good at it, I have a hard time saying, take that white Sox player off of third base to you know for the sake of hitting you know and i guess i'm being a little bit of a hypocrite because i'm because i am saying i am okay with it at second base i guess
0: well yeah but it's the thing where you you don't want to make you 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 know you've covered the bears for a while you don't want to weaken two spots right like it's (laughs) kind of like like if second base is already not great i mean like Romy or whoever's fine defensively there so just take the weakness at second base defensively and leave moncada at third like, my interpretation is that, like, if Mankata went to second, you might be worse at second and worse at third defensively. So that's just, like, kind of the reason why I wouldn't want to do it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it makes sense, makes sense. Last thing for you, James, and I, I was just as shocked as I think a lot of people in the White Sox world were – that James Feagan of The Athletic was let go from his beat reporter position from one of the layoffs, apparently, at The Athletic. And I was stunned to see it because he is so good at his job. He was a great follow. He was a go-to guy when it uh, came to like just watching and getting into every single thing that is going on in in a White Sox game. What did you think about that, man? And what did you think of uh, James's work?
0: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, he's one of the, one of the best in town. Everybody says, you know, one of the best, just like in the business too. And look, I think, I think he'll land on his feet, obviously, like somebody as talented as him that writes as good as he is, you know, I don't, I, you know, hopefully it's here selfishly. Right. I just think, you know, <laughs> it's tough, man. The, the, the landscape's hard and you get, you get a model like that. And it wasn't just him. It seems that, you know, it hit baseball and it hit hockey and you kind of think like, you know, it's, some of it's because of the team that he covers, right? Like I, I made a joke earlier that you know, the the only person that's had to pay for, you know, some of these White Sox issues is James Fegan, apparently. So, you know, <laughs> it uh, it, it's kind of uh, kind of kind of unfortunate. But you know, it's uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll he'll be okay. But he's a uh, he's a great dude. So that kind of sucked today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He'll be okay, Right. And that's a great way to just sucks for for White Sox fans and all of us and and for James, first and foremost. Well, like I said, he'll he'll be great. Uh, James Fox, thank you so much for your time. And I'm sure that we will hear from you uh, and talk to you soon.
0: All right. Thanks for having me, Mark. Appreciate it.
2: You got it, man. James Fox, Future Sox and Sox Machine. Again, you can follow him at James Fox 917. I am Mark Grody. I am here with you until nine o'clock on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy The Score. We'll, we'll hit the Cubs hard at uh, in the seven o'clock hour. Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation will join us. Um, he is also a podcaster for Athletic Chicago, and uh, Brett will talk Cubs with us. I got Chris Emma from six seventy The Score coming on at eight o'clock as well. Coming up next, let's get back to the Bears and. In particular, Justin Fields' side of getting better and how can the Bears be good? What does he have to do this year? Because I already laid it out that if Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens, those defensive tackles, are different makers. They're good this year. And that's a high ask. Good is a high ask for, for rookies, right? Like, good that's that would be excellent if those guys are good and i do think that the, the defense the trickle down effect would be so good if those guys were good that the bears defense would be good now what is justin fields's side of all that we'll explore that next coming up here on chicago sports radio 670 the score let's get back to more mark crody on sports radio 670 the score It may not be the formula that anybody wants to see again, like in this era of the Chicago Bears. And that formula is the Bears can win games with defense and get to the playoffs with defense and just enough offense. I mean, that's when the Bears have been good. Typically, that's what has happened with the most recent occurrence being in 2018 when the Bears defense was elite and their offense was mediocre but guess what that formula worked and there is a there's a chance that if you know Justin Fields does not become great or a star or any of that stuff that it, we that if he's good enough that we could be heading towards a similar scenario if I am right in thinking that Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens could make a huge defense or a huge difference on the Bears defense as a whole. But at the last OTAs, you know, I'm, I'm always wanting to know, just like all of us are wanting to know specifics on Justin Fields. Specifically, how is he getting better from day to day, from year to year and what we can expect to see? Um, Andrew Janoco. Took a shot at that on and Andrew ginoco being the Bears' quarterbacks coach last week with us. And I just thought this was interesting. Probably something you haven't heard yet on Justin Fields's improvement.
1: Uh, you know, I think with it, with his feet, you know, mentally, um, obviously, we see that just a deeper understanding of the little nuances of an offense. Um, the timing, the rhythm, the protections, all that stuff, and then, um, you know, and then you, that that translates on the field, and then his feet mirror those little nuances, and you can you just see that development grow and that growth um,
2: every day. What kind of improvements have you seen from Justin Fields in terms of his arms? I know we talk about the footwork a lot, the leadership a lot, but what about? throwing the football what is he doing better
1: well, I think you know he he's made a conscious effort to just make himself smoother make himself more fluid letting his letting his feet lead him and then then everything else mirrors off of that so to me that's you know where we've seen some growth it's what he's put a uh, a real focus on so just you know quantifying that with uh, you know as we get out there and, and completing more balls and, and putting ourselves into those situations in the game that then it goes to
2: training camp and hopefully see a carry over there that's Andrew Giannoco, the Bears quarterback's coach on Justin Fields. I, and I am trying to interpret better on, on the answers or listen more closely. And, you know, he, we're hearing fluid, smoother, um, less lead with the feet. And when I hear all of that, that, that Andrew Giannoco is talking about Fields, the word that comes to mind is comfort, comfort. Justin Fields is not completely comfortable right now as a quarterback. I mean, that that is that is what it is, and he also talked a lot about. And this is huge. This is huge right here. Timing and rhythm, and really circle the word timing, because see play, throw ball. You know, I mean, that that's what they're trying to get Justin Fields to do is to. Be better with his timing and rhythm, meaning making decisions with better clarity, making decisions more quickly, uh, identifying the open man, identifying defenses, and th- that's that's what it all sounds like. And but it, it does come back too. It comes back to comfort, comfort, and that that is such a big word. Like in terms of the way, you know, what Justin Fields is going to do, whether he's going to succeed or not. Can he get comfortable as a do-it-all quarterback and see-it-all quarterback? So, and, you know, I always make sure that when we're talking about Justin Fields, to, to ma- even though Justin Fields has, is thinking, hopefully, last year was an outlier in his career. You know that he's going to be putting up the passing numbers and not the rushing numbers. But what he did last year, Justin Fields, and on his feet was spectacular. And you can make a case that some of what he was seemingly had to do a lot of the times with that offense was was to run. That it hurt him towards the end of games, literally hurt him towards the end of games because he'd be running so much and. Obviously, we'd see him on the sidelines a lot, a lot of the times because he was dehydrated or cramping or whatever the case may be, and that certainly is because of all of, all of the volume. So, so those are some things that he's going to be working on. And I definitely think that Justin Fields is going to be better. And the reason there are reasons why I could look at the Bears offense and make a case that I'm comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with the Bears offense because from day one of the OTAs, they had their plan at offensive line this year. You know what I mean? And that's that's a, a direct step forward in this rebuild. That there's Cody White here talking to us about he's he's the center. Uh, Nate Davis did arrive. He is your right guard. Tevin Jenkins, present. He is your left guard. Braxton Jones is your left tackle. Check. And Darnell Wright, the rookie number one for the Bears, he is your right tackle. No messing around. Now guys will bounce around. You know, Lucas Patrick was playing some center behind Cody Whitehair, and even with the first stringers, because you know they're they're gonna need a backup. Um, and who knows? Maybe Cody Whitehair won't be good at center, but it does look like. And I see that offense line. I say, okay, that's that is definitely something you can work with. And then the obvious improvements. Um, or whopper improvement, and that is, that is DJ Moore. That DJ Moore is, he's a number one wide receiver, and just watching Justin Fields work with DJ Moore, it, it looks real. I mean, you could just see he looks and moves like a, a number one. Had that, you know, his most recent highlight, if you'd like, Justin Fields, 25 yards right up the middle near the end zone to DJ Moore. So it, it's, you know, it's good to see that beginning to blossom. But it really does start with the offensive line and give Justin Fields what he needs protection-wise this year to, to again, back to that word, back, to feel comfortable. To feel comfortable. And a lot of that, a lot of his apparent discomfort— you know, from not being as fluid and smooth and all of that. I mean, th- those are words that you would think that you would associate to with an athlete like Justin Fields, like fluid and smooth and all of that. But it's hard to be fluid and smooth when you don't feel like you're protected by your offensive line or if the guys that are supposed to get, be getting open are not getting open and you feel like you have to do it all. So, I, I mean... And you know, I think that almost by definition, the guy is running as much as he did, that he is, that some of that comes from, from discomfort. So hopefully that, that part can get better and we start to see that when we get to see more. And maybe we see more of that over the next three days, three straight minicamps coming up Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday. I will be there reporting from Hallis Hall on all of our shows. Um, hopefully they'll start to see some of that. And then once, you know, training camp gets going and they put the pads on and all of that stuff, um, it ought to get interesting. I don't know if they, man, I don't, we'll see. I don't know what the pad, if they're going to be going full pads at all in mini camp. It's got, it's got, it's got to be more than the OTAs, (laughs) but we shall see. I'll try to, I'll try to uh, figure that out before the end of the night. But yeah, there are ways. There are ways for the Bears to be good next year as opposed to just improved. And if you want to get in on that, 3126446767. If you agree or disagree with my methods and that the defense can make a big jump, if Zach Pickens and Javon Dexter are the real deal, if you agree with that or disagree with that, or if you got an idea, of how can the Bears be good and not just improve next year? 312 67 67. We'll also talk Cubs. Brett Taylor of Bleacher Nation will join us as well. We'll try to straighten out the Chicago Cubs as well. I'm Mark Grody, and this is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Go Bears!